Thanks for joining us. I hope today's message builds your faith and inspires you to change the way you think. Pastor Duane is continuing in the series, The Journey of the Follower. The Bible tells us in Romans, do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you'll be able to decide what God wants for you, and you'll be able to know what is good and pleasing to God. When we're willing to give up everything to follow God and the prepared path He has for us, that is when we've become a true disciple. Let's take a look at today's message, The Prepared Path. But today I want to talk to you about the journey from being a Christian to becoming a disciple. From a Christian to becoming a disciple. That uh, Jesus, when he arose from the dead, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and make Disciples. Disciples. Not just Christians, but make disciples of all nations. Now, I mentioned last week some of the reasons why people come to the Lord. I know personally one of the big things was uh, I did not want to go to hell. I was looking for fire insurance. And, And that is not bad. That is a good reason to get saved. Because Jesus said, fear him that has the power not to just kill the body. Right? but to throw into everlasting condemnation. That's a good reason to get saved, but that's not a good place to stay. Right? Other people get saved really for the benefits. In Psalms 103, David said, and forget not all his benefits. There, there, there are benefits to being a believer. Right? But that, again, is not a place you want to stay. If all you're there is for the benefits uh, we would say you're a Christian, but you're not a disciple. Uh, you're a consumer. Literally, uh, uh, we have in America today what I would call consumer Christianity. It's about what I like. It's my needs. It's bless me. It's take care of me. You know, just a consumer. But a consumer is not a disciple. In Luke 14, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, listen to this, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and can come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, notice it says hate. And really what it's talking about is a comparison. He's saying that we love the Lord so much and he is our premier pursuit in life to such a degree that anything else is just way down the ladder. And and the truth is that following the Lord and having him be the first place in your life, if, if it is not number one, it's usually not number two, three, four, five, or six either. It just falls down there number 14 after gardening. It's got to be that, number one. In fact, Jesus is not saying this to be cruel. He's just saying, I've got to be the number one pursuit in your life. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's just saying, you need to love me so much more than you love your family, than you love your career, than you love anything else. In fact, anyone that we love more than Jesus, if there is such a person or such a thing, we are not his disciples. Notice he said, you cannot be. 
Not even you just make a bad one. He said, you cannot be my disciples. Now, a lot of us, we think, well, you know what? I got a Christian tattoo. I got jewelry, Christian jewelry. I got a bumper sticker. I've got the T-shirt. I got a big Bible. But none of that is what makes you a, a disciple. It's when you love Jesus above all else. Jesus, listen, is not after a few hours every week. He's not after a few dollars or a few prayers. Jesus doesn't want to have your stuff. He wants you 100% of you. He wants you to be following him and pursuing him above all else. The Bible says you were redeemed. Literally, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. You belong to him. Jesus wants everything. Again, not a few hours, a few hours, dollars, or a few prayers. He wants your mind. He wants your soul. He wants your body. He wants your spirit. He wants your present. He wants your past. He wants your future. He wants your reputation. He wants everything there is, your talents, your skill, your ability, your family, your friends, your money, your talent. He wants it all. Everything belongs to him because you were bought with a price and you are not your own. At present, this means a sacrifice. It means it's going to cost you to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus said, you you need to count the cost because it will cost you. Are you really committed or are you a consumer Christian or a convenient Christian when it works out, when I've got time in my schedule? Are you just along for the ride? Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, if we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. You know, the consumer Christian is just along for the benefits. But Paul again said to Timothy, therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, look, being a disciple of Jesus will not be easy. There's going to be hardship. It is going to cost you something. How many of you know that uh, when, when it's comparing discipleship to being a soldier? You know, you become a soldier, the first thing they do is they send you to boot camp. Right? They tear you apart. They, they, they take you to the limits. Right? But they're preparing you for war, which is much harder than boot camp. And he's saying, we need to be like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If we suffer... Now, that's something that that none of us are looking forward to. But to serve Jesus, to give him all of your heart, all of your life, to follow him as a disciple, to deny yourself and take up your cross, you'll suffer. The Bible says all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But it's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. It says, and he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for us, so we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. Not just 
go to church. Uh, Here's what people will literally, the world will tell you this. You know, hey, go to church, but just don't go overboard, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you, you can be a Christian, but don't be some Jesus freak. Don't get carried away, right? Don't waste your life on Jesus. Just be normal. Be like everybody else. Go to church once in a while, right? I was talking with, with uh, one of my friends this morning back in the green room, and uh, one of the things we kind of like jokingly said, what, what the people were saying was, uh, you know, f- follow Jesus, but don't follow that Bible too much because it'll mess up your mind. Listen, let me tell you something. The world's mind is all messed up. They are messed up. Jesus said, unless you're willing to follow me above all else, deny yourself and take up your cross daily, he said, you cannot be my disciple. Somebody said, well, that Christianity, it doesn't work. It was tried and found wanting. No, the problem is it wasn't tried. What people do is is they don't don't become a disciple. They just become a consumer of Christianity. We live for him, not for a career, not for a spouse, not for kids, not for sports or hobbies or friends or money or leisure or entertainment. My goodness, we've even got a restaurant called Thank God It's Friday. I mean, it's like, what are we doing? Living, living for the, 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 the thrill of the weekend or whatever we can get. And, and by the way, they've got great food. I'm not, I'm not against their food. But the whole concept, the concept, right? You know, when the world applauds you, it is likely that God is not. In fact, Jesus said, what's highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, I want, to, I want to say something. I almost said this right at the beginning, but, but this, this message that I'm going to be sharing today and for the, the next few weeks, this is not a message to condemn you. This is a, is a message to have you be reaching up, to begin to go through that process where we're not just Christians, but we become disciples of Jesus who deny ourselves take up our cross daily, and follow him. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples. Judas fell through transgression. So he had 11 left. Of those 11, 10 were martyred for their faith. In fact, somebody said, why should I even believe that Jesus arose from the dead? Well, the people that were eyewitnesses, 10 out of 11 died saying he rose from the dead. And we saw him. And the one that didn't die was John, the youngest of the disciples. But uh, during the reign of the Roman emperor Domitian, the apostle John was put in boiling, a pot of boiling oil. They tried to martyr him. (laughs) It's actually, he kept on preaching from the pot of boiling oil. It had no effect on him whatsoever. So they tried to poison him. They gave him poison and forced him to drink it. But as Mark 11 said, they'll drink any deadly thing and it will not hurt them. And so they ended up putting him on the island of Patmos where he wrote the last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation. You know, how many realize it cost them something to follow Jesus? It cost them something to be disciples. In Luke 14, Jesus said, in the same way, those who of you 
who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. In other words, he's saying you've got to put Jesus first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and look, and then all these things will be added to you. But you've got to put Jesus first. You can't seek anything else or put anything else in front of him. You're going to have to give up everything. You've got to be willing to give up your friends. Uh, I remember when uh, I received the Lord on a Sunday night. I was 20 years old. I was attending Calvin College at the time. My friends and I, we, we would hang out on the third floor of the library. I remember the next morning going to where my friends hung out and telling them, last night I repented, I received Jesus, and now I'm a Christian. That was the end, literally the end of our friendship. No, there were, there was, that, was, that was it. I wasn't invited to anything else from that day on. Right? You know, somebody said, well, you cost you a lot. I look back, I think, man, that was the best thing that ever happened. Right? Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Right? See, when we become a Christian, we, we literally give up the right to decide what's right for us and what's wrong for us. In fact, that's what got Adam and Eve in trouble in the Garden of Eden. God had said, don't eat of the tree. But Satan came along and said, no, you can eat of that tree and you will not surely die. You'll become like God if you eat of that tree. They decided what was right and wrong for themselves. See, something's not right because you think it's right or I think it's right. And it's not wrong because you think it's wrong or I think it's wrong. It's wrong when God says it's wrong and it's right when God says it's right. Uh, I'm amazed how many people nowadays are just concerned about everybody's opinion. People say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I literally tell them, I say, who cares what I think? What does the Bible say? Right? My opinion, everybody's got an opinion like a nose. Everybody's got one. Right? Doesn't make them right, doesn't make them wrong. What do you think? I, I literally, who cares? I like what Habakkuk said. I will look to see what he will say to me. I will look to see. Where do we look? We look in the Bible to find out what direction God would have us go. Now, in Romans chapter 12, I want to read a couple of verses from the, the, the Message Bible. I absolutely love this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for us is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I like that. Your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, working, walking around life. Every part of what you do should be a fact because you're a disciple. 
Every part of what you do should be because we love Jesus. The, 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 really, we, we can kind of say that discipleship is walking with God. The Bible talks about a man named Enoch that says he walked with God. And that's what we're supposed to do every day. We walk with God in the morning, afternoon, evening, at work, at home, every, in everything that we do. You were brought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. All right? But we, we aren't serving money. In fact, Jesus said it again. He said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Money cannot be a status symbol for you. It can't be your security. It can't be your trust. No one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not going, I've got to be the center. I cannot be an add-on, right? Jesus is not just going to come along and and be an add-on to your consumer Christianity. He's not just a convenience. He's not a Sunday-only God. He's not a cosmic bellhop. He's not playing church. He's not a good luck charm. He's not something that you do, you, you, you do something in order to ease your conscience. He's the pearl of great price. He's the king of kings. He's the victor over death. He's the coming king. The Bible says he's the one that will rule with a rod of iron. He's the one with a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth who comes to execute the vengeance of our God. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, and we need to be totally committed to him. I look at the Bible, and literally the Bible is revealing him to us from beginning to end. In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. Leviticus, he's the Passover lamb. He's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like Moses. In Joshua, the captain of salvation. In Judges, he's our lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman's redeemer. In Samuel, he's our prophet. In Chronicles, he's our king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the walls of our broken down lives. In Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. In the Psalms, he's our shepherd. In Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he's our bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Lamentations, our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, that wonderful four-faith man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he's the husband to the, the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. In Obadiah, our savior. In Jonah, our missionary. In Micah, the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, our avenger. In Habakkuk, our evangelist. In Nehemiah, the fountain of blood that opens up to cleanse from sin and uncleanness. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. Mark, the wonderful worker of miracles. In Luke, the son of man. In John, the Son of God. In Acts, the Holy Spirit moving among men. In Romans, the justifier. In Corinthians, the sanctifier. In Galatians, the redeemer. In Ephesians, the unsearchable riches. 
in Philippians, the supplier of all of our needs, in Colossians, the, the fullness of the Godhead, in Thessalonians, the soon coming king, in Timothy, the mediator between God and man, and then in Titus, our faithful pastor, and then in Philemon, the friend of the oppressed, in Hebrews, the blood of the everlasting covenant. In Peter, he's the chief shepherd who will soon come. In John, he's love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000s of his saints. And in Revelation, again, he's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. Every place in your Bible, it points to Jesus. He's the one who bought us, who redeemed us. He's the one that owns us. And we're to put him above every other thing. I think it's interesting that God talks to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Waits 25 years and that son finally shows up. And it's really interesting if you study the life of Abraham. He's making altars to God and he's dedicating himself and he's doing special times of worship. But interestingly, once Isaac is born, we don't find another altar. Now theologians say about 20 years pass. And so now at this point, Abraham is about 120 years old. His son's about 20 years old. And God says to him, I want you to go and take him over to Mount Moriah. And I want you to offer him there as a sacrifice. Now, for those of you who don't know, Mount Moriah is where Jerusalem is built. In fact, the, the Temple Mount today is on the exact location where this took place. If you're, if you're there on the temple, it's about a 40-acre space. On one end, there's the Dome of the Rock. If you've ever seen a picture of Jerusalem, it's probably got that big gold dome on it. Right underneath there, right there is where Abraham went. And he took his son. Now, <clears throat> he's about ready. He's got his son on that altar. And uh, how many of you know a 20-year-old versus a 120-year-old uh, that 120-year-old, it doesn't have much of a chance unless that son's willing to let him do it. Puts him on that altar, and he, he's got that, that big curved Arabian blade, and he's about ready to kill his son, and God says, stop. Stop. He said, I didn't want your son. He said, I just wanted you to be willing to give your son. See, whenever anything becomes more important to you than God, that thing becomes an idol. And you need to be willing to lay that thing on an altar and give that thing to God. Now, here's the interesting thing. Right? When God stopped him and he looked, and right over there was a, a ram caught in a thicket, and he took that ram over and sacrificed that ram. But this is what God said to him. In fact, it was what he said. He said, Jehovah Jireh. Uh, some of you will remember years ago we used to sing a song, Jehovah Jireh. You know, the Lord will provide. But any of you that have a center column reference Bible, I want you to look. This is what it says. Jehovah Jireh does not mean the Lord will provide. I mean, that's true. That's part of it. But what literally God said was, in this mountain, it will be provided. In this mountain, it will be provided. Because Abraham was willing to give his son. God gave his son. God gave his son. In fact, if you could make the wall around the Temple Mount disappear, there's a little valley. You wouldn't even look at it and hardly think it's a valley. There's this little valley called the Kidron Valley. 
And then as it begins to go up, right there there's a hill called Calvary. Right there is the spot where God gave his son for your sin and for my sin. But when Abraham was willing to give his son, God said, I will give my son. See, and it's just a few chapters before that where God went into covenant relationship with Abraham. And in a covenant, everything that belongs to the one belongs to the other. Most people today, the only covenant you will ever enter into is the marriage covenant. Right? I remember when Jeannie and I got married, she gave me 100 bucks and herself. Right? And, I, everything, and, and, and everything that I had instantly became hers. All she had to do, with, with, with one stroke of the pen, she could get it all, Right? She could get it all because we were in covenant. And because Abraham was willing to give his son, God said, on this spot, in this mount, I am going to give my son. Right? And then there's what the angel said. He spoke to Abraham, and he said, I swear, God's sure word, because you have gone through with this and didn't refuse to give me your son, your dear, dear son, I will bless you. Oh, how I will bless you. You know, we think when we withhold from God that we're getting something. But the truth is, it's when we surrender everything to God. When we surrender everything to God. That God is there saying, oh, how I am going to bless you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles seek will be added to you. But when we put anything else first, that thing becomes an idol. It can be a person. It can be a family. It can be your spouse, it can be your kids, it can be a career, it can be money, it can be a hobby, it can be sports, it can be anything, right? When we, but when we lay that thing down, when we lay that thing down, and God sees, look, that person puts me before everything else. Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you put me first, unless you put me first. But once that happens, Listen, you begin to live an extraordinary life. Jesus literally said in one translation, it says, you leave your low life and you come to my high life. When we put him first, a disciple gives up everything and anything so nothing gets in the way of their love for God. And when that happens, that's when the power of God begins to really move in our life. That's when God begins to give us that extraordinary life. I said before, somebody said Christianity has been tried and found wanting. No, no, consumer Christianity's been tried and found wanting. But true discipleship will never be tried and found wanting. It changes the way we see everything. Our family, our career, our entertainment, Everything changes when we lay down everything for him.
Thanks for the opportunity today to share the Word of God with you. And if you're watching today and you realize in your heart you're not right with God or you're away from the Lord and you say, I want to be right with God, you see, there's two things that are necessary. The first one is for you to surrender your life to Jesus and you need to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. And if you say, I want to pray a prayer and I want to surrender my life to Jesus and I want to receive the forgiveness he has for me, would you bow your head, repeat this prayer, make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I surrender to Jesus. I'm going to live for him. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. I thank you I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your family. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard your prayer and you are right with God. And I want you to keep growing spiritually. And because of that, I wrote a book and I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. All the information is right there on your screen. You can download it absolutely free. If you can't download it and need a hard copy, contact us. We'll get you that free of charge. Hey, we're praying for you. We love you and God bless. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. Did you know that you can find today's message available for free on our app? You can watch it right there or download it and save it for later. You can also follow along with Pastor's scriptures and share images on your social media. Or you can find today's program and others at walkingbyfaith.tv. Just click on Watch Latest Program. And as always, you can purchase a copy in the WBF store. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to help change the lives of others through Walking by Faith, please visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give for information on becoming a partner with us. If you need someone to pray with or God is doing amazing things in your life, we would love to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, through our app, or on Facebook or Instagram. Next week is Easter. We are so excited to be celebrating Resurrection Sunday with you. Until then, have a beautiful week.